There could be like a moment of spontaneous combustion. You could just disappear from Earth. There's a lot of things that could go wrong in a nice hat in Florida in the summertime. What do you got in your Starbucks cup? Whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, dude, it's Friday. prepping just two buds two buds on the phone yeah you got your uh you got your stetson hat on today yeah man it's uh it's been a long journey down here in florida long journey of hot and humid weather in which case you can never really sport a fantastic hat without dying underneath it <laughs> today i woke up and it was a glorious 78 degrees bro people got parkas on walking around out here <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, if you wore a hat in the middle of summer, you'd you'd have uh like sweat rings on that thing. You don't want sweat rings on your Stetson hat. No, dude, it'd be worse than that. Like you literally might. I mean, you could melt to death underneath it. There could be like a moment of spontaneous combustion. You could just disappear from Earth. There's a lot of things that could go wrong in a nice hat in Florida in the summertime. What do you got in your Starbucks cup? Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> hey dude, it's Friday. I thought about having. I thought about lighting up a cigar for this uh, podcast. Do it. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be tasty. I'm just kidding. It's not whiskey. It's just coffee. Oh come on! It's just us gals talking. You can yeah. tell the truth. Um, I'm, that's why I'm saying it's just coffee. <laughs> I would. I would enjoy some something else, but it's still morning time. So my rule is like you shouldn't drink anything until 11:15 a.m. So. I got six minutes to go. Yeah, our producer's writing us. Uh, <laughs> our producer's writing us notes right now, saying people don't know what time of day we're recording. So yeah. as long as we don't reveal that information, you're good. That's true. So I just blew it. It's five o'clock somewhere, right? That is what Jimmy Buffett said. You ever heard the joke that um, uh, Sublime's just Jimmy Buffett for Gen Xers? Have you ever heard that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like if, uh, <laughs> like if that. I forget what the lead singer's name was, but if that dude was still alive, oh, dude, that, it, would, it would be a thing. It would totally would be a thing. Yeah, it would dude. be like, Mar- instead of Margaritaville, like, I don't know what it would be called. Sublimeville? Yeah, something. Yeah. Some, some, you know, big Sublime fan would probably come up with something creative. Yeah, it would definitely happen, man. I can totally see that joke, too, just playing out. But it's crazy, dude, that... Like, People either love Jimmy Buffett or they don't like him at all. That seems to be my take, man, as I travel. They're either like, yeah, man, I love Jimmy Buffett. Or it's, yeah, he's horrible. He can't sing a lick. I don't know why he's a multimillionaire. Makes no sense to me. There's like really no in-between. Well, I mean, well, I was going to say I'm completely a different category. Either like I'm kind of the dude that's like, I've heard Jimmy Buffett songs, but didn't know it was Jimmy Buffett or I'm just Mm. indifferent. But I can see because there's a lot of artists out there like that to where they're not like extremely talented. They're not amazing, but they have this whole like, I don't know, like a vibe about them, like a cult following kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Florida, so Jimmy Buffett and I mean, that's just way of life. I'm a fan. This might be a lame conversation. Nix that. Moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan's gonna have to delete that whole section. No, he's not. Nope. That's not how it goes. We're having a conversation. Ryan, don't listen to him. This is the new slowdown podcast. This uh, version. The, this is the non-diva version of the slowdown podcast. Mm. Unedited, right. behind the scenes. 
Sometimes you say dumb things, man. Sometimes you come up with dumb conversation topics. Yeah. It's true. But that's usually like, all right, like, what are we going to banter about? You're, we're usually like coming up with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's always fun, man. To just kind of laugh and kick it off like that way. I mean, we naturally hear from people that are like, hey, man, love the content. You know, sometimes I just fast forward and start the podcast five minutes in. Yes. To which case I'm like, well, then you missed out on the best part. <laughs> but uh, I think what sometimes people get irritated when they're like fast forward five, seven minutes and then we're still going. And they're like fast forward 15 minutes and then we're still going. Yeah, I think we have remedied some of that. <laughs> so, but we do like to just kick things off with a little, hey, how are you? Laugh at something that's fresh and funny. Make fun of ourselves. And then let's get on to some good news here. So it is episode 88. We're having a follow-up conversation from um, the last episode, uh, which we titled A Vision for the Church. And this conversation is, it's coming off of that, um, that piece that we created, a PDF, which if you go to our Instagram, I'm going to leave it up for um, a couple weeks. If you go to our Instagram, write in our link in our bio, we created um, we created a, a PDF. It's a it's a document, a vision for the church yeah. to where we are kicking things off with the thing that we always talk about, which is the finished work of Jesus, Christ crucified. The 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 sent the most important freaking thing there is in the world, which yeah. is a life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And it and we do we do that because we're so frustrated of how much Christianity is just lacking. Christ. I don't know if it's like a better way to say it. Like there's just no good news um, at all. It's almost just like Jesus has left the building uh, when it comes yeah. to um, the church. Everyone's arguing about ideologies and theologies or this and that and figuring out how to fix the world. And here's the best news the world's ever received ever. And it's just like laying over here off to the side, completely just forgotten. Yeah, man, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of crazy. And I'm eager to unpack, you know, what we mean by all this, you know, in this conversation, I know there's a lot of thoughts that are churning and we've got a lot of, a lot of feedback, man, over the last week from the last podcast, I just dropped a couple, well, last week, <laughs> um, you know, all this stuff that's come out also on the website. If you're listening in, uh, if you go to the about us page, you can also find a link to that vision document on there as well. But, you know, I was listening to, um, I was listening to the Mockingbird podcast recently. I don't listen to a lot of things. One, I just don't have time. Um, and two, most of what's out there is just lame. It ain't the slowdown podcast. It sucks. Falls flat. It's a bunch of bullshit. Just kidding. Um, but now listen to the Mockingbird podcast lately. And one of the things that he brought up on there that was kind of like, like wow, man, I never even thought about that is they mentioned this dude named Tim Kreider that they had speak at the Mockingbird conference uh, a couple of years ago, who's a devout atheist, hmm. which is pretty wild when you think about it, right? A Christian conference invites a devout atheist to come speak. Love that. And RJ, who's one of the hosts on there, says, uh, he says, man, I can remember sitting there and listening just like it was yesterday and him talk about, you know, he said Nietzsche, you know, the philosopher 150 years ago, you know, basically announced the end of God. And he said, this guy, Tim, that was speaking said, man, if you look at the Western society over the last hundred years, he says, we've definitely been pretty hard at work in experimenting with life without God. And he said, and I quote, and as an atheist, I'm going to have to just go ahead and admit before you guys, it's not going very well. <laughs> right? Wow. Love the honesty there. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think 
And I, for me, it, it, you really can track a lot of this back to this, this most deceptive, addictive, and divisive drug in the world, man. Moralism. The religion of doing good. Yeah, and I think another way you can, another way you can say... It, just, it, it sets the cross to the side is all I'm trying to get at. It, yeah, it's I think another way looking for another way. Yeah, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I think another way you can say moralism, and we we toss around different phrases to put there. You know, you know, self justification, enoughness, control. I think at the core, what we're what we mean with moralism is this idea of the independence of self. Yeah, the independent self, the the self that is like, you know what. I'm, I'm sufficient. I'm good. I can do it. I can get it together. Yeah. And my gosh, I don't care what your worldview is. Um, it just seems to be the, the way we just operate as humans. Yeah, dude, it's, there's definitely, I always say there's two myths that we, that we've all bought. One is what you just referenced independence, this idea of an independent you. And two, I would say is the myth of progress. Yeah, we, yeah, that's, we got to talk about that for sure. I think we're in love. I think we're in love with the idea of progress. Yeah. So I, I'll tell you where like that really comes out for me is like the whole sanctification conversation within the church kind of a thing, like personal progress. And mm-hmm. I know there's like a social, you know, progress part of that too, but no doubt, dude, no diggity, no doubt. So it is, it's, it's moralism, um, the independent self, belief in belief in self. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why we're. I think that's why the, the the politics of today are so divisive. Is when you've grabbed onto the idea of an independent you, and you've grabbed onto this idea that progress is possible with the right policies, the right politicians, the right programs, the right platforms. Um, you know, whatever it is that needs that you need to obtain this, all of a sudden you start to find your identity in it to the point where like there's an us versus them now, right? There's a good, there's a bad, there's a, and man, things, like, they really start to erode in that. And then you can even look at it like within the Christian circle, people who follow Jesus can even find themselves, right? Falling into these ideas of- you know, Totally. Um, myself included, you know, don't, yes. I'm not putting myself above this conversation in any yes, way. We are also guilty of this. Yeah. <laughs> we know this from personal experience. And I'm kind of watching this play out right now. And I'm watching like just years of, of just ministry that's been constantly looking for what's next, what's better. How do we make this happen? How do we fix this? Three steps to this, five steps to that seven things to end this, you know, whatever it might be. And then you you take all that, like years of that and years of politics growing and growing and growing and the God complex, right? Finding its way into all the hearts and minds of people. And 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 then we're looking for the King, right? We're looking for the people to lead us and to make it happen. We see that in the scriptures. Um, And man, it just, it all starts to erode. And then you throw COVID like in the midst of this, Right, and everyone's sort of separated from each other. Everyone's living in these little online portholes, you know, where we're just in this constant loop of anyone who thinks like us and talks like us feeding back what it is that we believe. Then we're looking at this thing, and I'm going, dude, people are just getting crushed by this. Like all the all the hooks that you've been hanging yourself on, okay, all the hooks that you've been hanging self on are just like they're they're all being removed, man. They're all being torn down. Yeah. And because you have, you don't have access to all these other things that you've that you've ran to in the past, and now it's like we're kind of turning to other things that we can grab onto. But in whatever the whatever the the play is, man, or whatever road you run down, it seems like at the start of that journey is the idea that there's something more than Christ crucified. Well, I want to go back to the comment that the atheist made, you know, because we've been doing this forever, and it hasn't it hasn't been it hasn't worked out 
well. And so there's always that question, you know, when people are like, Hey man, I I believe this, or this is how I view myself or the world or whatever, or this is how I tend to operate or whatever. Uh, You know, I love the question. How's that working out for you? Yeah, dude. How's that working out for, for us? And that's what I love about our um, illustration of AA in this vision document, because there's something very fundamental about people who are part of AA collectively they've said this isn't working out for me yeah i'm not able to control it i'm not able to master it i'm not able you know for as many times as they've told their loved ones who have you know thrown up a yellow flag or a red flag on their drinking or as much as they've tried to talk themselves into like i can control it i can manage it all these things they've they've come to the realization like man i'm powerless over this. Mm-hmm. And if you replace moralism for just self-sufficient, independent, right? Like no thanks God, no thanks others. I'm just going to do it myself. And I'm completely able to do all these things that God's called me to do completely independent of anyone else, including God. Mm-hmm. Um, you ask the question like, yes, really not working out well, if we're just honest with ourselves, you know? So AA is such a yeah. beautiful picture in that. Yeah. You've got to definitely get to the end of your of your, you know, virtuous rope. Yeah. And I love that line to grab onto this. Like you, you've got to come to the end of, so if you're someone who's outside, um, you know, the belief that Jesus is Lord maker and sustainer of all things, reconciler of all things, his death is your death. His resurrection is right. Your resurrection. He's our hope. He's our life. If you're someone who's saying, nah, man, I ain't buying into that, right? Then you can run down this road and and pursue it. And that's kind of, you know, we're, we're referencing all the various reasons why and how and where it leads, but I'm, and I think you'll eventually come to the end, right, of that virtuous rope. If you're honest with yourself, I should say. Totally. Um, and I'll just well, say talking- this. Like, you're, this is the best way now to put it. This is for everybody that's listening in, me and you included. You're the person you vilify on social media. That's who you are. You yes. are the person that you vilify on social media. You can even make an argument that the reason why you're so angry at a certain person or certain people is they probably remind you a lot of yourself. It's true. It's true. And again, it's, it's us, man. And you might say, no, 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 I don't, I don't align with that. Or I don't believe like they do, or I'm not standing on that platform over there. And I'm like, yeah, but you do align with this and you do stand on this and you do pursue this. And it's still, it's still shouting, Jesus, you're not enough. I found another way. I've got this. Watch me. Here I go. So what I'm saying is if you're honest with yourself, you will come to the end of your virtuous rope and begin to grow, man, I can't do this. Yeah. But for me, where it gets troublesome is not society at large and their belief and practice in this. It's again, what I said in our last podcast, it's watching the church participate in the same approach. Because what we do is we're going, well, no, no. Like you don't understand Russ. I'm a believer like you and I have Jesus and the spirit is a jetpack. And look at me and look where I'm going and look what I'm going to obtain and look where we're going to fix this and we're going to change this. Jesus called us to build the kingdom and change the world. And I'm like, no, he actually win the culture war. We got to win the culture war. No, we don't. The God who made us came and lost royally on our behalf so that we could live so that we could be united to him into one another because we couldn't do it and we never can do it. So if you're outside over here going, no, I don't believe in any of this and you're struggling. Well, eventually my prayer is you'll come to the end of that rope and you'll go, man, 
there has to be another way. But if you're in the church and you're still running down these same lanes, man, I'm, I can't wait till you get to the end of that rope yourself. And, and me included, you know, like, I yeah, feel like it goes, it's a daily journey, man. Oh, dude, the reason, yeah, I mean, it, that goes without saying. The reason that we are passionate about these things is we've given much of our lives and energy and beliefs or unbeliefs, you could say, into yeah. pursuing things on our own. But that's what I love about that C.S. Lewis quote. I never realized how bad I was until I tried being good. Mm. Like no matter, no matter what it is, I'm going to go back to your line about the virtuous rope. No matter, no matter what your thing is, if you're the person that's like, you know what, like p- parenting, I just want to do like a good job at, at parenting. Yeah. I want to just do a good job at disciple making or building this church. I just want to be, I just want to do good at like personal holiness or overcoming this like specific sin. Like whatever it is like that you've grabbed onto as like the mantle of your, of your mission and you're trying to do that thing, right? Or mm. achieve that. I think when you realize that you grab a hold of that and start just like with the best intentions in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And you start to just give your life to that thing. You come to find out, holy crap, man, <laughs> this is not only is it hard, it's impossible. It seems fruitless. It's a struggle, right? And when I talk to people who are just so consumed with trying to fix themselves, fix their parenting, fix their kids, fix the world, fix their community, fix their city, whatever it is, um, when they talk about the struggle of that, what they're saying, they're really just confessing their death. They're confessing their inability. They're confessing their insufficiency. They're confessing the 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 massive complexity of this thing and its purpose in the world that they don't even grab onto, right? Yep. And they're realizing they can't do it. They're coming to the end of their missional rope, parenting rope, personal holiness rope, uh, yep. political rope, whatever it is. And that's that's where the rubber meets the road with the declaration that it is finished. Because you got to come to a a place where you realize that Jesus, when he came to this world, he didn't come and lay down, right, the uh, manual on how to win the culture war or how to be the best parents or how to fix society or how to end hunger or or end racism or end whatever whatever it is, right? Put your thing there. He came and he died. Came and he died. And, and rose again and declared and said, it is finished. And instead of fixing the world, he forgave the world. And it goes back to that parable of the weeds. And I want to I have a separate podcast where we dive into that a little bit more. But the parable of the weeds is this good farmer who realizes that an enemy's come and he's planted these, uh, these bad seeds in his field. And the, and the servants realize it, right? And they're like, you know, master, like, what do we do? Like, let's uproot all this. And he goes, nope. He goes, let it grow. Let it be actually is the phrase. And it's one word in Greek. And the root word for that let it be is the same root word of the word forgive. And he does what a farmer shouldn't do, which is let your weeds grow along with your wheat. That's you don't do that as a farmer, right? Because weeds like suck up nutrients and different things that are meant for your wheat. So he does this thing that agriculturally is just silly. And he says, no, let it grow. And the servants are like, what? Why? Like, let's uproot this. Like the servants are us. Let's do this. Let's grab onto this thing right now. Let's make this thing happen. Productivity is the goal here. 
Yes. Progress is possible. We have a plan to make this happen, and you are in opposition to this Jesus. Grab this hold of it. That's not how Take farms action. work. <laughs> that, is, if, that is us, dude. That is us. And we have just completely walked away from the declaration that it is finished. And what he says yeah. is, when I love this, because what's funny is normally, agriculturally, the weeds would interfere with the program and the progress of the wheat and the good fruit. But as the parable unfolds, you find out that the weeds have no bearing at all on the wheat. In mm. fact, they both are seemingly healthy and growing at the same pace, but the weeds are not choking out the wheat whatsoever, right? The only thing that's a threat to the wheat, the fruit of the kingdom, is the well-intentioned good deeds of the servants who want to jump in prematurely and uproot the weeds. Yeah, say that's that last only, line That's again. the only threat. That's the only threat to the kingdom in the parable is the people yeah. who want to take action before God decides to take action. And his answer right now, right in the field as weed and wheat are both growing up together is what? Let it be. Suffer it. Live alongside it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Like he loves it. Bear yeah. with it. You don't have to love the wrong or, or agree with it, but love the people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so we are the servants, dude. We want to uproot everything. We want to, right, have this, you know, great biblical vision for our families, great biblical mm -hmm. vision for our cities, great biblical vision for our churches. I think I just said cities. Did you, see, did you guys hear that? That's that was a good awesome. word, man. I like that, that one. Awesome. So, yeah. And, if yeah you're and that frustrates me. Does that frustrate you? Because that frustrates me because I want to bring the kingdom right now. I want that to happen. Yeah. And I think anybody who loves their cities. <laughs> is, is naturally going man come on uh hey i didn't call you out earlier when you said portholes instead of portals but okay well i, I guess i just portals. did call you out yeah i like oh, yeah. that hey uh, i didn't call you out while i'm calling you out <laughs> hey i love you even though i keep record of wrongs <laughs> i see how this goes amazing um but no, dude, you're spot on. It's, uh, it's wild when you think about it, that, that you have a God that knows us and knows our need and knows that if we're going to go and join in the rooting out of all these things that shouldn't be, if we're honest, if we realize that we are the people that we vilify on social media, best way I know how to put it, then you would come to the conclusion that Jesus is, in a sense, looking back at us with a wink and saying, um, I don't know if you know this or not, you'd have to root yourself out as well. Yep. So for your good too, this is my plan. So can we drop the virtue signaling? Yes. Can we put an end to the arrogance? Can we just be honest for a, for a moment, especially in a culture that's all about authenticity? Then be authentic. You're a basket case, just like the rest of the world. And at the same time, you are the absolute of God's eye. That's a really amazing thing to think about. But yeah, he would have to root us out, man, along with everything else. And yep. so you're looking at these ministry approaches. You're looking at so much church activity that is setting aside the mystery of the cross, the only hope we have, the only place where our failures are recognized and redeemed. We're setting that aside for all of these ministry plans that work in opposition to what Jesus himself has declared. The only thing in that parable, right, that was getting in the way of what needed to happen is the well-intentioned people who were trying to make it happen yep and that's so good like that line you wrote in there like at the cross is the only place where our failures are recognized and redeemed and i think that that is one of the proofs of someone who is 
you know, if we could say it this way, like a theologian of the cross or someone who's really anchored to the cross and the righteousness that God gives in Jesus, not, you know, like this virtuous, like missional person that's trying to like be somebody or make something happen in the world is that you can call a spade a spade. Yeah. So when I think if you were like that moralistic, virtuous person, you tend to make categories of sin, right? So you're like, yeah, I'm a sinner. Like you'll confess that, but it's like capital, like lowercase s Mm -hmm. sinner, like every day, kind of like, you know, just like these everyday, you know, kind of sins. Well, these people over here who are pushing these, you know, political ideologies or who are trying to like, you know, really just undermine the fabric of our society with these, you know, different like things or whatever, like those are capital S sinners. That's the thing that we need to uproot and it's like no dude like at when we stare at the cross we all come to realize like we stand up in the middle of the you know the moralism aa meeting <laughs> moralist anonymous the ma yeah. meeting right. You're like my name's tony i'm a f up and a fake right <laughs> like right. i'm just on like my best days i'm i screw it up and on my worst yeah. days i act like i don't screw it up and Man, I'm just I'm just here because I'm broken, man, and I'm needy, and I need yeah. you all, and I need God's grace. And I'd love to learn how to walk in that with you. I mean, that's like that's what I would add at the end of that speech, man, when you stood up. And I think that's that's what it means to know Him. That's what it means to walk with Him. That's what it means to to recline in His grace, to rest in Him, to look at other people around you as fellow sojourners who are equally broken as you and equally loved as you. And yes, you can in that. I feel like here's the beauty of this, dude. When that becomes our reality, when that becomes how we begin to see ourselves, our very identity, the scriptures say, it frees you up in a lot of ways. And one really cool way that it frees you up is it actually allows you to look at the things that are happening in the world. Hmm. It allows you to look at things that are actually good or not good. It allows you to look at things in history and things in the present and call things for what they are. It also allows you to recognize the inability of human nature. Yeah. Okay. And to begin to think through government, being able to do maybe a few things that it actually can do instead of the hundred things that it cannot do. I'm just saying there's so much oppression and slavery that comes from enslaving ourselves to this religion of doing good to this ladder, okay, of, uh, of achievement instead of the cross that says, no, you're already welcomed. Hmm. So I'm just saying like, there's so many ways this thing fleshes out. Here's another one. You get to look at the people across the table from you who don't agree with you or think like you and yet still love them and allow them and welcome them to belong. Yeah. Period. You're loved. You're welcome. Glad you're here. Yeah. Which goes oh, you have some different ideas than me? Cool. We can discuss that peacefully. Yeah. And we can work through that because our identity isn't in the positions that we're taking any longer. I'm watching people get furious, bro, with each other because at their core, they start to take on an identity in this position Yeah, if you're not careful. Yep. But you're free of that, man, when your identity is now in the risen Christ. I've seen it too, man. And we get into that. So going back to this vision piece, you know, we're still talking about AA. Um, You know, with this is what we wrote. Within this culture of grace, which is what we're talking about, right? This humility, right? Just to be able to confess who I am and which produces this heart of like, dude, I want to belong to others. I can be, you know, honest and, and all that within this culture of grace, some unique values stand out. And we talk about dependency, transparency, and hospitality. And I don't know if, if we should just like read this. Um, but that's kind of like when we say, Hey, when we come to the end of our virtuous ropes and we cling to Jesus alone, this is the fruit. The fruit is dependency, transparency, and hospitality. So I'll just read this, what we wrote. We wrote, 
when we cling to the cross, this is what happens. Dependency. We cling to the cross because there's no other place in this world in which our failures are recognized and redeemed. Transparency. We become a shelter from the storm, a community where everyone is free to be nothing but who they really are. And hospitality. We grow because the mystery of the cross is proclaimed without pretense, prerequisite, or performance. And you're totally right, dude. When you start to to stick a flag in the ground as like, this is my thing. And at some point of enoughness, righteousness, virtue, uh, morality, that's you're clinging to something other than Jesus or worse yet, you're co-opting Jesus to act as if he's on your side on that thing. You are not dependent. You appear to be strong, like you have it together and you have the plan to fix the world. You're not transparent. You're pointing a finger at everybody else's sin and you're not hospitable. In fact, you just surround yourself with other people who think like you, look like you, act like you, all that. And then you demonize and ostracize everybody else. That's not freaking Jesus, man. It's not. I mean, I thought, I thought that's kind of what he was walking around doing. Podcast is an intervention, Russ. I thought that was, you know, like, Hey, this is my plan for ministry. This is how you need to see other people and treat other people. But I guess I was wrong. Yeah. So like I said, last podcast, I got off Instagram because I started hating people. I started doing this. I started doing this, man. And I'm like, dude, this is, this is not, this is not helping no, who God's dude. made me to be, man, on my block with my neighbors and, you know, the, the friendships I have, um, I've built it in my city. It's not helping at all. As I'm just thinking about this and, and grabbing on this, the dependency isn't just something that becomes known, but it, it becomes a way of life. It becomes something that's practiced. And I'm watching kind of what's happening right now. I'm watching even happen in my own life. And I've come into this conclusion that, man, when, if you miss this, if you miss the centrality of the cross, if your vision and mission for life in church becomes devoid of death, the death of Christ, okay, and the invitation to come die, to come join him and laying down your life for others. Dude, that is so opposite than the idea of flourishing and thriving and all these things, right? They get attached to Christianity. It's a God who's going, no, what you actually need and long for is not in that. It's in this. If you miss it, dude, reconciliation becomes a goal instead of a reality, all right? Multiplication becomes a plan instead of <laughs> just a byproduct of what happens. Assimilation um, becomes the goal in ministry instead of hospitality. The, the kingdom becomes a project instead of an announcement. Think about that, dude. The kingdom becomes a project that we have joined Jesus in making happen. When Hebrews says, no, the kingdom is a king that you receive. Yeah. Colossians says the kingdom is, is something that he himself has brought you into. Nowhere does it say that this is a project for us to complete. The kingdom is an announcement. Yeah. Leadership, dude, becomes a title instead of a towel. Literally, it becomes oh, that's a good a, line. I like that one. It, it becomes like a ladder. You know what I mean? It becomes a promotion. It's not an act of service anymore. Yeah. And in short, I guess what I'm getting at, dude, is the church becomes a place for the winners who were trying to be winners mm-hmm. instead of a shelter of, of from the storm for all the losers that have come to the end of their rope. And independency found life in Jesus. Yep. And dude, it's such a good and beautiful thing when that becomes the story of the church, because that's the story that Jesus told. That's the life that Jesus gave. Mm. That's the journey that Jesus invited us into. And living into that and inviting others into that, you could say at the core, that's the mission that he's brought us into. And it's so opposite of this plan that I think we're 
that we're grabbing onto because of our unbelief in the reconciliation of all things that's already happened. Hmm. We can't help but just start to basically take all that he's said and done and flip it and become slaves to something that's opposite of what he's said and done. And there it is, dude. Period. I'm getting, I'm getting it out, bro. Bottom line. I'm just like, everybody already belongs. And damn it, it's time they knew. There we go. And that is what the Table Network is about. And if you're going, hey, man, I want to join in that, then come on. But <laughs> I'm not backing down from this, dude. And I know I'm going to look like a fool because the scriptures say that we're going to be seen as fools. Yes. Dude, when you got a world that's looking at politicians who are like the chief narcissist of society, you can't get into that role, by the way, I don't think, without... You know what I mean? Without that being your part of your story. And I'm not saying that it's not a part of mine, but just the way we've structured everything, we basically have said the best fakes that society can produce become the people that we follow after. Yeah. Well, I mean, go back to the- lead anywhere. Good. (laughs) Go back to the servants. Like- in like in every way, that is such a foolish plan of the farmer to let the weeds and the wheat grow. It's not what you do. Mm -mm. It's not what you do. And so it's folly. First Corinthians two, the cross is foolishness, man. Yeah. Right. To sit here and say, let it be, suffer it, love, um, forgiveness. Forgiveness seems in a lot of ways, like just weak. It does. Dying is weak, right? It is, man. Until you think who you look at it though. And you're like, hold on a minute. I don't think Jesus was kidding when he said, unless you forgive, you won't be what? Forgiven. (laughs) And my tenants, my fear in that dude is if you're not careful, like, like all of a sudden that becomes like a work right? You know, all of a sudden we just added something to that we need to go accomplish, something we need to go do. But, you know, we've got a parable that deals with forgiveness and the unforgiving servant who was forgiven much who then would not forgive and what happened to him. We look at the Lord's prayer and there's only one thing in the whole Lord's prayer that Jesus invites any human to do any human thing. And what is it? Forgive as you've been forgiven. Hmm. I don't think forgiveness is a work. I think it's a fruit of the spirit at work in those that have actually went, wow, look how much I've been forgiven. Yeah. I know forgiveness isn't a work because I've basically been trying to muster up for the past five years to forgive mm-hmm. a, a person and it, and I've pleaded with God on it too. It's been the one, probably one of the most frustrating things for me personally. And just that forgiveness has, has evaded me, you know, a number of times I, I want to, but I, I, I can't just fake it. But then there was yeah. recently something that happened and my initial reaction was just like, man, just fight for like my, my thing, like how, how I'm right. You know what I'm saying? Fight mm-hmm. for this thing. And I felt just like right in my heart, like the Lord just gave me a heart of forgiveness for that person. I was like, Oh, that's what it feels like. There it is. That's the fruit of forgiveness right there. And what's crazy is I was thinking through it in my head about that person. The Lord kind of like transitioned that in my mind and heart towards this other person too. Hmm. And it was almost like in this moment, I had just this, like, like, I think it's cool fruit of forgiveness. And I was able to like, you know what I'm saying? Like move it over here. And I had everything to do, man, with what we're, what we're talking about. Just with, you know, with grace and cross here, my thing was this. So recently, you know, somebody did something to me and I said, okay, what does Jesus think about this person that I, this perceived wrong, right? What does he think about this person who did this perceived wrong? Well, he loves them. I forgot to love the world. And that person is included in that. And I'm like, okay, well, what is, what does God think about this sin, this injustice? Dude, he took it on. He became sin, 2 Corinthians 5. He, He made him who knew no sin to become sin. That sin was laid on Christ. And I'm like, okay, well, I can either A, walk in agreement with Jesus 
on how he views this person and this wrong and be in disagreement with my flesh that wants to go like throat chop this dude and like, (laughs) right. Reach out to my lawyer friends and write letters and, you know, smear his name and like all this other stuff. I'm I'm doing for the throat chop, but (laughs) (laughs) I can be in a, I can be in agreement with Jesus and disagreement with my flesh, which I know that I I know that story, like grabbing onto bitterness and all that. That's you want to talk about a question of how's that working out for you? It's not working out for you. It's horrible. Or I can be in disagreement with Jesus and agreement with my flesh. And that, is you know the best the best description is drinking drinking poison hoping the other person will die or be harmed and so i think that god just gave me this cool moment of just like man just just be in agreement with me because my burden is light my yoke is easy in me is rest for your soul Mm. and when you grab onto unbelief there is no rest the burdens are heavy the burden of fixing the world is heavy the burden of fixing yourself is heavy the burden of fixing your neighbor is heavy. The burden of growing a church plant, you know, multiplying disciples, it's freaking heavy, dude. Yeah. And you cannot bear up underneath the weight of it. You can't. Mm-mm. You can't. The burden of being a good dad, a good mom, a virtuous dad, a virtuous mom, a, a culture warrior for Jesus, that is a heavy freaking burden. And it will crush you 10 times out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, you. If you take outcomes that are not based on you and turn them into plans for you to carry out, it will inevitably crush you. Whether it's in life, work, parenting, relationships, friendships, marriage, ministry, whatever you want to throw in there, man. Oh, I I have to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I want to just bring up one last thing, and then I'll be done. What's that? No, go ahead. No, you. I insist. (laughs) Well, the only thing I was going to say, which I. Uh, the last podcast we recorded twice and I, I said something in there I thought was really good because it's been, it's been an insight for me. And I, mm-hmm. and I, I think that it'll help other people too, you know, cause we're talking about like moralism and you know, it like not being a good thing. And we're contrasting that to, you know, life in, in Jesus. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because they think that goodness, moralism, all holiness, these things are it 10 times out of 10, no matter what the motive is, they're totally in sync with Jesus, which isn't, which isn't the case, right? No, not according um, to the scriptures. No, and like yeah. in, in a certain sense, it is, right? But in a certain sense, it's, it's not. And um, I brought up uh, that, you know, the phrase that Paul uses quite a bit in the New Testament, where he's talking about the old man versus the new man. Yeah. And he's saying like, man, the old man was crucified, right? And here you have this new man, this new creation, right? This work that the spirit has done in the heart. It's who you are in Jesus, the resurrected self, mm-hmm. um, which is our true identity. The one who's lost in him, the one who's found in him, the one who's righteous in him, the one who can put down the stone, put down the hammer, you know what I'm saying? And just Mm. rest and love like he loves and forgive like he forgives. And I always, when I first became a Christian, old man, when I read that, I thought like old man, like my old man, oh, the one who's like breaking commandments and like getting arrested and like, you know what I'm saying? And like beefing with my parents and getting kicked out of the house and like this this rebel. But then I thought to myself the other day, dude, the guy who's writing old man here was perfect according to the law. He was the most righteous dude in the whole pack of um, associates who were trying to pursue the same righteousness. Yeah. 
the old man, according to Paul, is that independent dude who's just trying to do and be good. Yep. And he's saying that old man, that dude was crucified. Mm-hmm. And so if you're listening to this podcast, and you're like, what the heck are these guys talking about? Like, of course, Jesus is on the side of the good guys and good in the world and all these things. And like the devil's over here and he's bad and you know, all that. It's like, no, dude, Jesus isn't in bed with goodness, morality, and holiness all the time. In a certain sense, yes, right? As it, as it relates to like fruit from him. Things that come from him that are genuine, but this independent pursuit of just like being this way, judging others who aren't, and then trying to fix the world according to it by your own ability and strength. Dude, Jesus does not align with that. He crucified that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, he literally looks at us and says that all that good that you're doing that you think looks and is of me that you're doing independently, not only at the core of it is you in your own fame, your own fortune. He says that if any of that was possible, if any of that was actually good, if any of that was possible to, to bring about change in you and the world, then I died for nothing. Yep. For if righteousness came right by the law, Paul says, then Christ died for nothing. I think it even says like works of the law. Yep. Like, um, I, I could be wrong. It probably is just law, but yeah, dude, totally, man. So, you know, just pulling this together, I mean, we've definitely been diving into here man in in regards to dependency like what it really looks like to grab on to the finished work of jesus know that his life is our life his death our death his resurrection is our resurrection he's announced it is finished all has been reconciled everyone already belongs there are those who believe this and have awakened to this reality and are enjoying the feast and there are those who have not yet um and, you know, and that's really it. And I think grabbing onto that, we come to this place where we don't have anything to prove anymore. We don't have anything to prove because we don't have anything to lose. Yeah. And I think that's where actual influence happens. True influence happens where self-preservation ends. You could say it that this way. True influence lives where self-preservation dies. And so I think the dependency thing to me is so crucial to this vision of the church and the values that could be present within the church. Because that that value of dependency, that fruit of dependency, okay, that begins to take shape and form through all of our lives and how we live scattered and how we come together in any gathered form of the church. To me, that's what makes the other two possible. Yeah, totally. We don't have to belabor those. I mean, we could literally end our podcast, man, right here and just say that dependency creates the transparency that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. It allows for true authenticity with each other, not a practiced authenticity, not a, I want to be authentic and, and having to talk about being authentic, but a genuine just transparency with each other. The last thing anyone needs around you, I would say to those listening, is another Christian passing on all the virtues that they're accomplishing. They can't really identify with that. And by the way, if those things are true, like if there's real, some real virtuous acts happening in and through you, that's called a fruit of the spirit. So you got nothing to brag about here. So that frees you up to just be honest and real with each other, okay? And passing on just how what we're learning about the good news of Jesus in the midst of our daily struggles and just meet each other there, which to me then plays out into what hospitality really is. Because hospitality at its core isn't about being a host. I think it's about being a guest. When Jesus shows up, he doesn't have a table. So when we think about all the ministry that he's doing around the table, yeah, it's other people's tables. That's such a good point. Like the one who, <laughs> the one who models hospitality. Right? I mean, in one sense, you could say like the earth is his and all that's in it. Right. Um, but from a very earthly standpoint, he has nowhere to lay his head. You know, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay, nowhere his, to head. lay his head. The dude didn't have a table. 
Right. So God himself shows up as a guest in the world, lays his life down for the world, unites us to him and one another. All the ugly stems from our unbelief in this reality. And I think the practice of hospitality, man, is realizing that, dude, we're a guest. We've been loved by him. We've been invited to join him. And we can look at everybody around us and go, dude, you're a fellow guest in this world as well. Hmm. Welcome to the table. I don't care who you are, what you've done, where you've been, what you believe, what you stand on, irrelevant. It's irrelevant in terms of belonging because of the finished work of Jesus. I'm not saying it's irrelevant in terms of living in things that can be hurtful to you and harmful to other people. Yeah, totally. But that's a different conversation. Right, right. Let's focus on the core of the conversation and let the fruit happen as the Lord leads. Yeah. Amen? Amen. I think Amen. that's a good spot to end. Um, and we could pick up some other stuff next time. But yeah, good conversation, man. As always, thanks for slowing down with us today on the Slowdown Podcast. I hope this was encouraging. Um, I hope it was challenging. Uh, feel free to call us, write us, reach out. Uh, check us out on thetablenetwork.com. Um, Instagram at the table network. We're on Facebook. Um, drop us a line, reach out. We've been chatting with a lot of people recently um, from around uh, the country who are just getting introduced to, to table network and wrestling through these things. And by the way, if you don't know, one of the core, the place where we talk about this the most is in our training called Reclaim. And that's available on the website. We have it in digital form. We have a book and a journal, hardback. We have a, a, a podcast that goes along with that, a video series that we did that really drills down and gets down to why good news is more important than how-tos, have-tos, and the here-tos. We got into that in the last podcast, if you don't know what that is. Um, but yeah, check it out. But as always, thanks for slowing down with us today, and see you next time. Peace.